Hello and welcome to the Into the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Brad Heath. As always, we've got a great show tonight. Uh, Will Livingston, uh, artist, is with us here in the studio. Um, before we jump into Will, let's uh, say thank you to tonight's sponsor. It's not Mad Magazine, if you can see it sitting over there, but uh, it is Brat Legacy Films. Their film, Brat Ambition, is set to release January 2024. Great story about our nation's military dependence and what it's like to go from being a dependent, living on base, and then all of a sudden you turn 23, you got to turn in your ID card, and you're kind of on your own. So it's a great story, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing that. Kim Kim McKay is the uh, director. She's also an author. You can find her books online, and you can go to bratlegacyfilms.com. And check out the, uh, there's a trailer on there, and you can see all of the uh, members. I know Bo Bice has been filmed, George Teague, who played for the Dallas Cowboys, is in it. There's several other people that you'll know and recognize, so BratLegacyFilms.com. All right, man, I've been waiting on this one for a while. I mean, you're you're busy, I've been busy, but it's it, it's so cool to have you in studio, Will. Thanks, Thanks for Brad. being here. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. Um. I first came across your work, and for those of you that don't know, um, Will is what I would call, you know, you're not a traditional artist. You're not really putting paint on canvas, but this is some, this is some incredible work, and we're going to dive into the book and everything that uh, that you've done. But I tell you what, man, this, what, how, how would you describe your, your form of art? You know, uh, so I actually do put a lot of paint on canvas. Do you really? I do. Um, and a lot of those poster designs that you're flipping through at the moment are just recreations of paintings that I've done. A lot of them are. Um, so, but, you know, a lot of what I do is, you know, I'm just as much of a graphic designer as I am a painter. Um, and uh, so those are, those, those just bleed in and out of both worlds for sure. Yeah. Well, what you know, one of the things that I think drew me to um, your work is that there are a lot of things in here that that I can identify with. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we look at art, whether it's in a museum or it's online or whatever, it, 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 if there's no connection to it, it's it's a little tough to to fall in love with it. I think you can appreciate it for its beauty and for the work that goes into it, but your stuff is, I think. It's like modern day iconic because you're taking people who, you know, we're all familiar with and we're familiar with their work and you're really kind of putting your own spin to it. I, I, I agree. Um, so, yeah, so uh, as far as as far as that particular project goes, um, you know, uh, it's it's very personal in, in so many ways. As far as just the art and and uh, like I said, a lot of it's done from my personal work. The the bands were always picked usually for one of two reasons: either there was somebody I loved, or they were one of the people who were working uh, as a member of my street team, uh, somebody that they were already going to see, and they would contact me and say, "Hey, I'm going to this show anyway. Yeah, you want to do posters? I'm already driving that way. <laughs> right. You know, right? So I would jump on them, you know, because I wanted to jump at every chance to just keep pushing that project forward and forward and to keep getting that message out. Um, you said your street team and, and 
they they actually would so the Dwight Yoakam one's a good a good street team story I think right their people was like yeah we're gonna pass but you did the poster anyway they go out pass them out and the fans loved it yeah so <laughs> um you know and this is this is a part of it that's always a little iffy iffy uh. and the thing is is that for you know not it's not across the board but I'd say. 90% of the shows that I did, we had zero permission to be doing it. We didn't have permission from the bands or the venues or anything. Um, and that only became an issue, I think, twice out of almost 170 shows. That's not bad. That's a pretty good, <laughs> that's a pretty good ratio. Yeah. So, and the thing is, is that it was, you know, people were really leery at first. Um, the first few shows that uh, people passed out posters of mine at, you know, they're giving them something for free. People are very hesitant. Nah, it's not free. So right. what is it? You right. know, right. either they're afraid you're going to ask for a donation later or they're afraid they're, you're going to want to maybe preach to them. There, there's something, there's got to be something else to this. Yes. What's you the know, catch? What's the catch? Because people don't give away stuff for free, especially not, you know, this handmade original signed number, you know, uh, items that they were getting. But once people heard the story and realized that we actually were just trying to the, to get our advocacy across in a way that we knew we could connect with people and, and create conversation, um, it switched real quick. Um, it switched so you know pretty quickly even to where we were already only, I'd say, a, a couple of dozen posters in, shows in, and... Uh, people would start showing up to shows, wanting them and trying to get them when they weren't even going to the show. Like wow. they were already just trying to get them to collect them. Right. You know? Right. Um, and that would happen because we would give a teaser, you know, like the night before. Okay. We're going to be at this show and people would know, you know. How, how many posters would you do for a show? Uh, it varied. Um, but almost for the most part, we I always did 25. So we're talking super limited. So that's, yeah. Yeah, 25 Would posters. you number them? And yes, the they're, whole th they're wow. all numbered. They're signed. They're awesome. stamped. The, uh, the the date they were printed was stamped. I mean, I, I'm meticulous about those kinds of little details because I, I don't know. I, I, I like to nerd out on stuff. So... Um, so 25, some shows we would do 50 if it's a big show, you know, um, like I think we did 50 for Ryan Adams at Red Rocks or we did 50 for Smashing Pumpkins at Madison Square Garden, even though I don't know how many people <laughs> that place holds, but 20,000 or right, something probably. Right. So 50 out That's of 20,000. Yeah. You're, you're extremely lucky if you ended up with one of those things. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, we would just, they would just, you know, and as far as my street team, I use that term because it's a term that's from my childhood. Yeah. Because when I was a kid growing up on punk rock, you know, if you were touring, doing the whole DIY circuit, that's how it survived was street team. Those yeah. kids in every town that you would, they would send out those promotions of flyers to, to, to litter the town before they got there, yeah. you know? So yeah. I liked the term, but for the most part, it was family. Um, it was family and friends. Uh, that did that every once in a while. And it was really cool that, you know, now and then we would get somebody that said, Hey, you know, I'm, I just love it. So I'm in this town. If you ever want to do one, I'm here, right. you know, I'll, I'll right. pass one out. So that's really cool. And that's something I really want to explore is, is, is the ways that that can expand. Um, so yeah, people would get them passed out uh, before they went into the show for the most part, you know, my folks or whoever would show up, you know, an, an hour in advance and catch people in the ticket line yeah. when they had a chance to actually talk, a chance to engage, you know, right. um, 
once you know and, and and out of those first few times too you know we probably had a few merch people merch guys come out and like what you doing right you know right you, you trying to you trying to sell our stuff you know <laughs> and and once you know they realized okay you're giving it away i can't really argue much you're not taking anything away from you know our sales and at the end of the day i'm really just hooking up your fans yeah you right. know right on my dime right and that's and i don't i don't care you know and uh and it got to the point where we just didn't have problems the venues started loving it uh because the fans were loving it yes so the a lot of the venues like canes or brady or it's not brady anymore um shrine the, the shrine places like uh trying to remember the ones that were really big about it like jones assembly tower mm -hmm. criterion we they just wanted to call give us a call like three or four days in advance that way we can call the band and say don't freak out these people are going to be out front doing this they're not yeah. you know not trying to hurt your sales right they just want to do this and uh and we really didn't have a problem i have it's it's amazing how many of those posters i have that are signed by the bands because they thought it was so cool yeah yeah and that's when it really started feeling good when you know then the road managers start coming out and saying look i just want the band wants five for themselves nice and then you do whatever you want right you know right so that always felt really cool you know when the dandy warhols like sent right. their guy out to yeah. get posters for themselves well, now or, they yeah because now they become part of that whole yeah zeitgeist of you creating sure. concert posters yeah sure did did it take long for a band or someone to reach out to you and say hey if you're interested i'd love to have a poster done yeah so first thing the first people that really locked into it with us was unit d which okay. was a venue in Tulsa that was actually a storage unit called Unit D. They've been doing shows there for like 30 years or something, yeah. probably. I think they just got killed through COVID or leases or something, but <laughs> it's course. gone now. <laughs> but uh, so they started reaching out because uh, they would do smaller touring stuff. And uh, so they kept asking, they would commission posters from us. Uh, and that was really cool. Um, and then... Uh, we would have various like local bands that would reach out, you know, and, and so we started, I started doing a lot of like general purpose posters mm -hmm. to where you could write in the venue and stuff like that. So they right. could use them for several different shows and really be able to, you know, get the most bang for their buck. And, and that's cool because supporting the local thing is, is massive to me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Who, so, yeah. What, what, what name or band reached out to you that you were like, whoa. Oh my gosh. Archers of Loaf reach yeah. out to me once and they're like hey, you do, can you do like, posters? yeah well and and one of the guys who's in archers i guess is in band of horses too uh and we had done a band of horses poster so they knew about it through right. that right and then yeah when archers went on tour they're like hey we need to get and we printed all these beautiful posters for them and then it was one of those covid things hit they had to cancel they were super cool about still paying for them i don't know what they did with them hopefully they were able to sell them at later dates wow. or something you wow. know but so they ended, so how many did you end up doing for them? I want to say they ordered 50 maybe, 50 yeah. or 75 yeah. or something like that. So somewhere possible, maybe they sold them at future. I hope so. But it's possible that somewhere there's a storage unit. There might be. 50 of your posters sitting there. Might that, wow, there might like be. Wow. It's like a little be. cash cow for somebody. Um, and then, you know, just last, uh, not even a year ago, uh, I got a job with violent films uh contacted me and asked me to do sh posters for five night stay at city winery in new york city wow uh so i designed posters for that and then they came back and said hey by the way we're we want to do more so 
can you design five different wine bottle labels? And we're going to have signature wines every night because it was, you know, the big brewery there, whatever. Right. So I was like, absolutely. Yeah, you we know, can do that. I yeah. got you. Always say yes. 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 So and then figure it out. That was cool. Uh, I'm actually in the process now. The films are actually playing here in Tulsa in like a month. They're playing the first album, yeah. like start to finish. And uh, wow. I just like stumbled into a ticket today. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm hoping I can get a hold of them. I would love to do some more work for them here. Yeah, I mean, so Tulsa's become kind of a, a, a stop. You know, it was kind of hit and miss for years. I mean, I feel like, especially in that scene, you know, uh, you, you could get you could get somebody big, and it seemed like maybe like a big artist would come in two, three times a year. Yeah. But Kane's Ballroom is iconic. I mean, everybody knows Canes. I've been to more shows there than I can, um, you know, count. Right. But um, and there's other smaller venues that are that are great. Um, I saw the Dead I'm, Boys I'm just, at Shrine. I'm just them. Really? Yeah, that was great. Cheetah Chrome on stage, the wow. whole thing. Um, Recently? I, yes. Really? Uh, what was that? February? Oh my gosh! And uh, I actually, so it's kind of funny. Um, I'm in the bathroom at one of the urinal there there's like six urinals probably on the wall and i uh somebody walks up you know and so you know you don't you don't look over you're at the urinal you know so you just look straight ahead and uh finish my business i turn and it was cheetah chrome standing there so i was like wow okay so i went over and you know washed my hands when he came over and i said well how was dallas because i knew they'd played dallas night before yeah like oh man it was great you know i'm like man you're you're still doing this, you know, it's great. It's, it's so, <laughs> I mean, it's so yeah. incredible, you know, and, um, buddy I was with, he actually got the playlist for the night. Oh, he cool. The paper. Yeah. Um, that's my son's jam. He goes for the, he goes for the, the set list. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've noticed that stuff like that's kind of become really collectible. Like there are people that can, they're, they're making money off that stuff. They're selling it, but it's, if you truly love the band, you'd never sell it. You keep it, you sure. know, keep it forever. Um, these posters are going to turn into that kind of thing. They probably already are. I, I've seen them. Uh, I, every once in a while, I'll, I'll, you know, I kind of just curious and I'll like, you know, Google or, or right. check eBay or something like that, right. and you'll find them now and then. People do resell them, um, and uh, you know, sometimes they're not selling them for a lot. Sometimes they're asking ridiculous amounts for them. Uh, I've seen some of those posters sell for close to 400 bucks before. And it's just like, wow, you know, yeah. something I was, gave giving, away. I was just giving yeah. these things away. You that know? was a giveaway. That was a walk <laughs> up in the ticket line and get one. Um, so what we would do just to let you know too. So, you know, if I ran 25 of the posters, then I would make like 10 printers proofs. And basically, so I'd run 35, and I'd consider the best 25 I've got usually, that's what's going to the fans. Yeah. So I would take the worst 10, and that would be like my copy, the two guys who just helped me print them's copy. <laughs> right. A copy from like the archive that I keep. And uh, and I had a couple of friends, you know, the people who ever passed it out, you know, right. I would make sure that they had a personal copy. So they were just the personals. Yeah. Uh, I just call them printer's proofs, you know. And, uh, um, and then we would usually have... And sometimes I'd print 35, but only 30 of them would actually come out worth keeping. So now that number's only five. Yeah. And so if I was lucky, I would end up with, you know, maybe two or three left over at the end. 
And then I would put those up. My folks would take those, you know, to different art fairs, art festivals, flea markets, whatever, put them up for sale. We didn't ask a lot for them, usually about 25, 30 bucks. And if we sold the couple extras we have, it would kind of pay for the run. Yeah. So there was never, I mean, I'm, I'm in the red on this thing and I always will be. And, you know, at least, at least, well, you say at least, you know, I say that, um, uh, but yeah, so we would get, you know, we would get lucky and, and, and be able to at least break even, yeah. you know, a lot of times. Um, so, and that's really all I have left at this point too. I have those one or zero to one to two of, a, if, you know, right. maybe half of the shows, if that, at yeah. this point, you know, and it breaks my heart because like I just did the Carney Fest thing for yeah. like 14 Church hours studios. of the day. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we sold a lot of the old posters and it breaks my heart because I know that I know the counts pretty well, you know, of what I have left, right. you know, because it's just part of my thing. And it, so I see them, I'm like, that was the last one. <laughs> there it goes. That was the last one. I'll never, yeah, that's it. I'm glad I have my own copy because that's it. You right. Know? Right. And, uh, well, they're almost like, um, I mean, they're your creation. So it's a piece of you, you know, and there it goes. Off it goes to someone else. Yeah. And I have a very strict policy, especially, I mean, even my paintings, everything I do, I, I do not replicate myself. Yeah. I just won't do it. Especially yeah. if it's, you know, and when it's a sign numbered, I mean, that's just, that's a real cruddy thing to do is to yeah. say there's 25 of these. And then after you buy one, I'm going to go print some more. Right. Really. I'm going I'm so, to make my own run. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I'm very, yeah. But I'm see, that's stubborn about that. I think that's part of the appeal is knowing, you know, that this is a rare this is a rare thing. Like, you know, you're getting a piece of something. Obviously, you know, the fan loves the music and they might be a collector of that band or have a shirt or have a poster, or, you know, whatever. Um, but now they get something extra. They get this piece and it's not just the band either. It's got you involved. And I yeah. think that's, that's part of your story is that you're, you're not necessarily forcing your way into the industry by being, you know, the, the great, uh poster guy but you kind of did i mean you've kind of like kicked the door in and said guys i'm here this is what i do check it out and then it's just it's taken off yeah and and you know there's there's an intimidating thing about all that too because i've done it all from a distance yeah we haven't talked about where um, a lot of this has been done from no and uh so we can go into all that that's fine um I think when people, when people hear, you know, oh, you're printing, you're printing uh, concert posters, you know, we worked in print shops. I mean, I, I know people who work in print shops now. Nothing like you were working in. No. No. Um, the that and that's one thing that that I really will will you know let people know when they're interested or looking at one of the posters to buy or something. I'm like, you know, stress a little bit that you know these are made under. The craziest of conditions, right? With the least amount of resources and yeah, imaginable, and uh, the the absolute wrong elements to be working in, and all kinds of stuff. Um, and that led to a very long learning process of even how to create them. Um, so, all of the posters up till now, because I haven't done any yet since. Um, every one of these posters have been created designed hand screen printed in prison um thus the name live live from the cell block yeah yeah so um i i have just been released i i've only been out now for 
exactly like three and a half months after right. almost 13 years. Um, and actually I spent a year and a half before I even went in at a rehab. I just, I went through the rehab facility and then just basically just told them, was like, you got to figure it out cause I'm not leaving. I'm just staying here. So they gave me a job, you know, yeah. as a night manager and a weekend cook. Cause I was like, I'm not leaving. Right. Uh, I, I got problems and, and I did have a very bad drinking problem. And, uh, and unfortunately the, the terrible decisions that I made in my drinking led to, led to another, led to another man's death, um, with my negligence. And that's something I've got to live with and for the rest of my life. And so do, you know, his family and everyone that they know and, and my family and everyone that they know. And, and that's, and that's a really tough part of that experience is that it's not just that I go in and do time and pay for the mistake that I made, but everyone I know and everyone they know does it too. They do that time too. Right. And that's, that's a rough deal. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I learned really quick while inside that I wasn't going to do time like normal people. Um, a lot of people just throw their hands up and like, my life's over, you know, and a lot of people just lay in the bunk for, Literally just watch TV for like 18 hours a day. Aaron, you want to go turn that off for me? I mean, look, we're going to keep this in because she's interrupting <laughs> us and she should not be doing that. I don't even, is that like Alexi or something? Yeah. Is yeah. it? I don't, God, I don't, don't say her name. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't grief. Not a technology I'm familiar with. Sorry, Sorry about, about that. that. You know, please continue if you can remember. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I just... So you decided to do do your time in a different manner. I had to. I had to. You know, and there were some other people that did, you know, want to find a reason to get up in the morning and find some purpose. And uh, so I started playing around and just, you know, building things out of wood and and, uh, and just finding various little projects that I could create. One of the first things I did is I started making seven-inch record boxes out of rolled up little pieces of newspaper. Wow. Into these logs and, like, making these really ornate hand-painted seven-inch boxes because yeah. no matter what I do, I end up just doing something that I would want to own. Right. That's kind of, you know, I don't know. Maybe everybody does it that way. <laughs> I want to own one of these, so I'm going to make one of these. Right. So, right. Um, and then, you know, art was something that I've always just kind of dabbled with. I never took it seriously. I never thought that I had any chance of being any good. Um, I never took any art classes in school. I avoided them completely. I had art teachers who wanted to get me in class, and I just said, I'm, I'm good because I, I see what he can do, and he's awesome. Yes. You know, that's not me. That, yes. that dude's awesome. And uh, so I just, you know, I was I was just, it was just fear, you know, of feeling like a failure or being right. less than and all those kinds of things. And so I just avoided it, you know, and usually painting was something that I, I did like in the middle of the night when no one was around and yeah. stuff like that. I'd play yeah. around. And, uh, so once I, you know, sat around and kind of piddled for about a year inside, you know, I, I said, you know, I might as well, I might as well just take this opportunity to see if I can, you know, what I can do. And so I ordered, uh, you know, they let you get a very limited amount of different kinds of paints. It's acrylic, it's water-based. You can get like canvas panels and some brushes. You can't get a lot. Uh, and then what you can't get, you try to scavenge off of the yard from the paint crews right. or the wood shop or, right. you know, whatever you right. can, you know, uh, you start making paint out of, 
you know, instant coffee or whatever you can get your hands sure. on. Yeah. Anything with a dye. Yeah. Anything yeah. that's got color. And uh, so I spent some time just really trying to see if I could find my style and my voice. And, and, I, and then it started kind of happening. And uh, I can't really think of like, you know, there wasn't like an aha thing or anything. It's just, you know, I started creating a few things. I'm like, these are decent. These might be okay. You know, and I'd sent, you know, and one of the things that really stood out first is I did my first painting. And this is while I was at Lawton. I did my first three years at Lawton, which is a horrible place. It's a private facility. It's a warehouse. It's, it's, it's probably one of, if not the most violent place in the state of Oklahoma, it's real close. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I did this. I created what I call the throwaway people, and as you can see, that's who's on the cover of the book yes. that you see here today. Right, right. Uh, they, they, they have they have a very uh, how would I describe the look? They almost like they're kind of almost all the same in the sense that kind of the same you know facial features almost, but they look like if you were walking past them on the street, you'd probably never look their way at all. You sure. just walk right past them. And they, they all kind of have faraway eyes. Yeah. You know? Right. Which is something you see a lot in prison. Mm. Um, so it was. They were a way of, of, of painting what I felt like day to day. The chaos that surrounded me. The the noise that never ends. Mm. You know? Um, whether that noise is laughter or frustration or anger or, or you know violence or whatever it may be in that particular moment and right. uh so i did my first painting of them um and i sent it home and i remember getting like a call from my dad and uh him saying i just can't stop looking at this thing mm -hmm. you know let's 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 try to do something so um they set me up a little art show in oklahoma city in the plaza district Okay. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, at, at a little gallery there, and uh, and like I sold it, I sold, I sold it for like a hundred bucks, and I sold a couple other little pieces, and I'm like, this is incredible, you know. I never would have thought that somebody <laughs> would actually pay money a hundred dollars for one of my paintings, you know. Right. Right. Um, and so I got into it, you know, and I started really exploring it, exploring it more and creating things all day, every day, whether I was making greeting cards or, or doing larger paintings or just whatever I could, I was just always, always creating. Yeah. And, and then after three years, I was lucky enough, I got transferred, uh, to Joseph Harp Correctional Center. Uh, so I basically went from like the worst place in the state of Oklahoma to the best place in the state mm. of Oklahoma. Um, and, and what's the reason for the transfer, if I can ask? Is it that does it do they just pick people at random and say, okay, we're going to no, shuffle people we around? Had, we we had uh, uh, my folks had been making calls for a long time, trying to just get me out of that place because yeah. it was just such a rough place. And it finally, after a long, long time of yeah. trying, it finally went through. Good. You know, yeah. sometimes they call them like hardship moves. If you're trying to get closer to home, so you're, if you have elderly people trying oh, to come okay. see you, they don't yeah. have to drive as far, different things like that. Lawton's a long way yeah. from Bartlesville. And I got to say, your 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 parents have, I mean, they, they're fantastic people. You, you're you're blessed to have them as parents. I have, I have a heck of a support system. Yeah, I really do. Uh, they've been there with me uh, the whole time, and I couldn't have done any of this without them. Uh, so thank you both if you hear this. Love you. 
Um, but you get transferred. I get transferred, and it's it's a night and day situation. So um, now I'm at a place where you can order more things. There's a little right. more freedom. This place actually has programs. You know, they're fostering giving people something to do, whether it's even if it's just a job, you know. Is this another private facility? No, this, this is a state facility. Okay. Uh, and I ended up being there for eight years. Um, wished I would have stayed longer and finished out there. It just didn't work out that way. They finally forced me to go to a minimum. But um, I was there for eight years. And after about a year there, uh, I found a section of the prison that one other guy was just kind of getting a few little time slots in to sit and, and piddle. He did work, woodworking, and I'd yeah. kind of hang out with him. I'm like, what are you up to, you know? And, <laughs> and he was kind of eyeing me like, you're trying to get in on my territory. Right, I know what right. you're doing, you, you know? Space. And I'm like, well, you use this all the time? you know. It's, <laughs> so we ended up becoming friends, uh, and we made it, you know, we, we made it official. We, uh, we petitioned, we got some staff sponsors and petitioned the the warden at the time to allow us to just permanently take over this section of the prison and, and create an art guild. And the warden we had at the time was the kind of guy who said, you know, all right, you screw it up. You know, it's, it's all you, I'm coming after you, you know? Right. So just know that, you know, right. he, he was one of those, give you just enough rope to hang yourself sure. kind of guys. Yeah. And you know, I knew I was like, well, I'm not going to do anything stupid. You're going to do anything stupid. Mike, he's like, no, I'm like, well, let's do it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we did, and and the whole point of creating the room was to to get a group of people in there to do all different types of uh, artwork and creations for the purpose of raising money for nonprofits, mm -hmm. charitable organizations, stuff like that. Right. A lot of stuff we would send out, sell the money would go to organizations. A lot of times we were just donating to like silent auctions or their annual gala or whatever and stuff like that. And then they could find a way to sell them and, sure. and, and raise money. And some of those organizations were bigger organizations and some of them were smaller, you know, and where it's cool to, to do stuff for bigger places like Special Olympics and things like that, it's really cool. It's also really even a lot cooler to do something for the smaller place where you're actually helping them keep the lights on. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, I love that. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So the small ones are even cooler. So we did stuff from, you know, cancer research to breast cancer awareness to, like I said, Special Olympics. Uh, we did some stuff with a... Uh, uh, high, uh, hire the handicap kind of organization. I can't remember the name of it now. And uh, so there were all kinds of them uh, to reentry programs for guys getting out and stuff like that too. So, and so since we were doing good and we had uh, kind of proved ourselves as we were not, we're not going to screw up. Uh, I convinced the facility to let me get in some screen printing stuff. So they allowed me to order some screens. They allowed me to order, uh, you know, squeegees and, and like a little lamp and stuff like that to try to burn screens and um, let me even get chemicals that I was surprised they let me get. That's kind of a big ask. It is. It? it is one. But, you know, I figured, you know, worst thing you tell me is no. They can't, right. they sure. can't eat me. So, sure. um, but they went for it. You know, it was kind of the same situation. It was, you know, you screw it up. And, uh, you know, they, they put in like a locked cage to, so they could control of course, a yeah. lot of those things, you right. know, because some of them were metal and some of them were chemicals. So right. they controlled that. But I was able to do that. And I had no teacher. I had no idea how to do screen printing. I mean, I worked at a couple of t-shirt shops when I was a kid, but all I did was like pull the shirt off the pallet and fold it. <laughs> right. You know, I didn't actually learn how to do the printing, but. But you watched. But I watched. You, you had you know, somewhat I, of an idea. I did. I did. I didn't understand everything to it. And so at that point, I'm trying to create screens and, and, and do this 
prep work of just getting it ready to even do anything with in weird conditions. You know, I, the, the, um, it's, it's Oklahoma and it's humid and I don't have a dark place to work and I can't, you know, everything was just against me right. of trying to figure out this process. And I struggled with it for months mm-hmm. just to make one thing. Yeah. Just fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it. And then, you know, just threw money at it. And finally one day, you know, it's like, oh, there it is. That looks good. That looks all right. <laughs> that looks all right, you know. And then the very next thing I thought was, I've got to make concert posters because I like concert posters and I sure. collect concert posters. So yeah. we got to do that. So I, I started doing a couple posters for like some buddies of mine who have a band still here in Tulsa. Um, and... And then I came up, you know, I was like, well, I don't want to stop. Because if I'm just doing stuff for local bands, it's, I'm going to run out of work real quick here. So I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this into something bigger than me, you know. And so that's why the poster project took off. That's why, what it was all about. It was an advocacy program against drunk driving. Uh, all those posters were passed out to free. They actually went to over, over 6,000 people received those wow. in less than a three-year period. Um, in a lot of different cities and every one of them came with a bio sheet about me telling you a little bit about my story uh, what I had been through what I had caused and where I was now and just asking people to please don't drink and drive when you leave the show here tonight you know yep yep it's so easy I mean I I, and and what's I'm very fortunate in that I have a story that I can connect just like you said earlier could have been me yeah. I get that from almost everybody I talk to. They just look at me like that. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been me. And, and it really can. I mean, we're, it really boils down to things like seconds and inches. Right. You know. Um, but while they're, while they're getting to take home with them, they're getting that message. And I think a lot of times... You just need to hear it from somebody else. Like, hey, when you leave tonight, if you need to call somebody, call somebody. Yeah. Just a quick reminder. You know, just that little moment, that little grain. And now it's so easy. It's super easy. You can call Lyft. You can call Uber. There's absolutely no reason anyone should get behind the wheel. That wasn't the case when when this happened to me. Right. There wasn't a taxi service in town. No. There wasn't a Lyft. There wasn't an Uber. And I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I don't know if I'd have called him if there was. Yeah. You know, because I, like most people in the world, uh, what are the odds? What are the odds that that's going to happen sure. to me? Yep. I'm not that guy. Well, you can't be that guy. I was that guy. Uh, I've lived with being that guy ever since. Yep. Uh, I have also never, I have also not had a drink since that day. Right. I'm over 14 and a half years sober now. That's awesome. And, uh, very proud of that fact. And, uh. I meet I meet a lot of people in the uh, movie industry who um, you know young breaking onto the scene and there's this pressure you know there's this whole thing about you know living up to a certain uh, lifestyle or you know all that kind of stuff and many of them now it's it's kind of become the end thing to not drink and to not uh, do anything that's going to get you in trouble and i think back when i hear stuff like that i think well you know there was what we called straight edge people 
a long time ago. Like, this isn't something new, guys. Like, what you're doing is not new, but it's great. Keep doing it. Um, and and you're, you're not just your personal message, but uh, we talked about your parents. They've championed that cause as well. Yeah. And going around and, and talking to people about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, both of my parents uh, used to. My dad pretty much only does it at this point. But um, my, my father has spoken at Victims' Impact Panels now for probably 11 to 12 years. And he does that at least like usually it's like two or three times a month. He's somewhere speaking. It, he gets nothing for it. They don't even, I mean, he barely no. even gets paid for his gas, you know, yep. and it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's, it's part of his giving back and part of his healing process. Absolutely. That's um, exactly where I was going is that it's, yeah. it, it, it's part of his way of, of coping and, yeah. and dealing with it and being able to, to, to give something back. For sure. And, uh, and that's, just, and that's part of my life now, Brad, for the, for the rest of my life. That's, there's no way that's not going to be a part of me. Yeah. There, there's never going to be a day where I'm like, okay, I've, I've paid my dues on this right. deal. Yeah. That's not happening. I've that's, paid that's up. not me. That's not me. I'm back to zero. Everything's um, good. Yeah. Just, just because I'm not in prison anymore does not change, uh, my desire to, to continue to try to reach people and try to prevent what I did, you know, happening to another family. Yeah. And yeah. It, what's, it's crazy is because I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. You're it's fine. crazy that, uh, you know, it's one of those lines of work where, in advocacy, where you don't ever get to find out for sure. Right. I'll never know if I saved another life. I just keep doing it, and you hope you do. Yeah. You don't get to know that. That's right. You just, you just, you just really hope that that's what's you, happening you, out there. You put it out there, and there's not necessarily a, a, a instant payoff, or a payoff if ever. Yeah. But it does feel good, like, because after after a year or so, my folks would start getting emails from people saying, you know. I got this like nine months ago and I finally flipped it over and read that thing. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, right, right. it made me think tonight or, you know, we've even, they've even ran into people. My cousin Katie ran into somebody in like in, in Asheville, North Carolina at a show who had gotten a poster and they said, you know, I haven't drank since I got that poster, no kidding. you know, and it's just, you know, and then that's, I mean, that, that's the kind of things that make you think maybe, maybe it is, it's an impact. Maybe it's happening. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I am, you know, actually, uh, getting to that close point of maybe saving a, right. know, another family from going through this. And it's part of the reason why I wanted to share your story because uh, I told you before we went on air and you've heard it a thousand times. I could have been easily been you. I could have been that guy. Um, it's so, uh, it's so refreshing to have someone like yourself who is just as humble as could be. And just says, look, here's the message. By the way, I do this this little art thing. But here's the message. Please, you know, heed the warning yeah. because I'm living proof. Sure. Um, but you've done more than just movie posters. Sure. I mean, your art. You, I mean, talk about some of the other stuff that you've done. Um, so, you know, what's funny is so. so or, I, do, I said movie posters. I'm, I'm concert. Sorry, concert posters. I have done yeah. a couple of movies, this though. Dang movie. Look, I'm, I've worked in that industry, so I'm always thinking. You're going to have to do a movie poster. I did an Outsiders day. poster, and I did <sighs> Is a, it in the uh, museum? Is it in the house? No, no, but my copy's signed by, like, the producer or something, I think. Fredrickson. Yes. Yeah. He was at, like, a showing at the oh, tower. Oh, that's awesome. And then I did a movie poster for, like, a double feature of a David Lynch night at the tower, because uh, I'm a huge David Lynch fan. Are you a movie guy? I am absolutely a movie guy. What's your What's your favorite movie? 
I'm gonna put you on the spot. Oh my gosh, I have on one. the spot. No, no, I have the answer. I just, you know, some people just roll their eyes when I say it. Though. Oh, here we go. My favorite movie is Lost in Translation. Really? Wow, that's that is a little surprising. I mean, I I, I love yeah, Sofia Coppola, a great director. Right. Um, of course, it like was Bird also in the Outsiders. And yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. No, it's good. I it's good movie. There, I, I love I've got film. no problem with that. I love that there's not a lot of dialogue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and the scenes are just shot beautifully. There's just something about it that, that I've just always really uh, gravitated towards. And, uh, you know, and so a lot of people are like, hey, I think I, I, I even my like partner, and she's going to probably be not happy that I said this. <laughs> But like when I told her that, she's like, I think I walked out on it. You know, no. I think I walked out on that film. Have you ever walked you know, out like, of a movie before? I have one time. I have one time too. Mine was Iron Man. Mine was Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay. And and I get heat for this. I bet you do. All the time. I bet you do. Um, <laughs> But I, look, I was young and dumb. I, I didn't get it. You know, I was just a young, dumb teenager who wanted to go skate instead of watch Dirty Dancing. Yeah. But you walked out of what now? Iron Man. Iron Man. The first. The first. The Iron first. Man said, one. "I'm out. Yeah, can't do it. Can't. Couldn't. Really. Do it. Yeah. Are you not a? But you're a comic book guy. I, I. I. I'm a different kind of comic book guy. Are uh, you the? Are you the deep, deep dive nerd comic book guy? I am. And the, just can't take it for what it is on its surface. No, I don't. I don't like superhero comics. Really? No, I okay. like slice of life, life yeah. comics. I'm yeah. a big Robert Crumb fan. Okay. Harvey Picard, stuff yeah. like that. Um, I love that stuff. Uh, I love the guys who just write about. Like I love Harvey because he he'll write a comic book about going to the grocery store and standing in line, getting irritated with the person in front of him, right. and that's the comic. And there's no ending. It's just yeah, and I'm back, yeah. and now I'm home. This you really know? sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Crap day. Um. Or just talking about his job working as a file clerk, you know. It's just, it's just like this is brilliant. Um, so those are the kind of comics. But I sold a lot of, of uh, superhero comics. Of course, and, uh, you got to if you're gonna. Of course, that's run that's, a comic that's book where store. the money's yeah. at. Uh, that's where the where the where, that's where the customers are. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely a film guy. So uh, I do a lot of paintings. I do a lot of you know everything. I've been a musician my whole life. Um, I've played in a lot of really bad bands. And I played in a couple of decent ones. Uh, I've never made a cent doing it. Yeah. Um, well, you spent all your money doing it. Yes, I spent yeah. all my money doing it. And what little we made, we you know drank or whatever. Sure. It was gas money or something like that. Um, had fun doing it, but yeah, it was never you know. Did you ever uh, play nitro? Mm-mm. No. Is that a venue here? Used to be. No, most of my back in playing, the '80s. Oh wow, no, most of my. But playing, you're not old enough for that, are you? No, no, I've I've played some places in Tulsa. Most of my playing was done in Ohio. I lived okay. there for about four years, yeah. and yeah. and and played a lot there. Yeah, uh, with a band. And so I've always, but I've always been a musician. I've always played with somebody, even if it's just in the bedroom or right. you know whatever. Um. So, almost all of my art is music based in some way. I shouldn't say almost all. I would say over half though of my of my art is somewhat music based. So I do a lot of musician portraits and stuff like that. Um and what was nice is that people really liked the musician portraits that I did. Um yeah. it's easy to, you know, it's a great connection point, you know. Cuz I think like myself 
most people, when they, like if they walk in and they see a painting of a musician that they love, it's a reflection of themselves, actually. It's a validation of their taste. Mm, yeah. They see a painting of Tom Waits, you're like, I love Tom Waits. Yeah, That's right, awesome. Right. You know, it validates that, you know, I, I respect what they love, you yeah, know. Yeah. Because um, I think I feel the same thing when I see something like that. You know? Yeah, because someone, someone cared enough to do the portrait of the person you like. So that mm -hmm. does validate you for what you like because you look at it and see it and go, oh, someone else likes this. Or and when you have that it. moment, you really want to go, well, I kind of have to have it. Yeah, right. You know, because I'm the guy that was made for. Yeah. Or I'm the, right. yeah, the person that was made for. Right. Um, I'm the same way. So it was cool that people did like buying a lot of my music portraits um, because that would fund the advocacy. Mm. So a lot of that was just paid for by my other art, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and But there's also this whole world of art that I do that has nothing to do with music, and it's just my own stuff, and it's my own therapy or processing and trauma and, and all those things, you know. And th there was years of that inside, and I know that now that I'm here, there's going to be just years and years of that now of processing it again you know right. um because in even though it's over in a way it's 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 beginning you know because now it's it's finally taking that breath afterwards and having to really look at it mm. because while you're there you don't have time to examine it you're mm -hmm. just in it mm -hmm. you're just living it and you're trying to survive it right Daily, and it's not hourly. all, yeah, and it's not all crazy, violent. I mean, just nuts twenty four seven. Those moments happen, and when they happen, they can they can be really bad. Um, but it's like, it's like you're just holding your breath, mm -hmm. yeah, for that whole time, you know. Right, right. Never, never a time to relax. Not a lot, no. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. I look forward to exploring my art in that way too. Um, I'd like to see, so I, I'm, I'm getting ready to start the poster project back up. Uh, there will be like concert posters and things I do that are like for profit where people hire me to do a job for them for something like that. And that's awesome. I'm going to need the extra cash because I'm, <laughs> I got a rent to pay too. Right. And, but the, I still want to do the freebies, yeah. you know, I still yeah. want to do that. So now I have to figure out how I'm going to pull that off. So, you know, I'm trying to apply for things like grants and fellowships and things that maybe will help fund that. Right. Uh, I'm trying to find like a nonprofit to let that project fall under so that yeah. I can kind of blanket under their 501c3. Uh, that way I can, you know, solicit for donations and stuff like that. Right. Grants to support the project and offer people a tax write-off for it, blah, 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 blah. And, um, uh, it would be nice. It would be nice to see the project hold its own, you yeah. know. That would be really cool. Um, I actually just designed, like, the first poster uh, yesterday. Because, uh, I've, I've, you know, I've spent the last three and a half months just kind of like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? You know, yeah, you're trying to Every day I'm just like, oh, God, okay, I don't know how to do that yet. Yeah. And just... Uh, just trying to figure it all out. And like yesterday, I finally was like, I, I have to sit down and create a poster. I haven't done it. I haven't, haven't made one yet. Well, has, has being out changed your creative process? Oh, absolutely. And it would have to. I don't even think I have one. 
You gotta, I'm, not sure, you, I'm not sure I have a creative you gotta process. Go, you got to go figure that out again. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Because um, it's completely different now. And having all the time in the world to right, do it right. can actually hinder it terribly. Nobody telling you when and what to do. And yeah. now now you just you, you, you wake up and it's all in front of you and you can do whatever you want. I had all the time in the world to do this inside. Yeah. And now I got everything in the world that takes the time and I'm like, I, I really I, I really should paint something one day. Yeah. You like, know. Yeah. But I'm getting there, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm excited to get there. It's it, I, there's no way it's not going to take some time. Yeah, I mean it just is. And everybody's like, you know, uh, there's no rush. Right. Figure, you know, you'll yeah. figure it out and all we'll this kind there. of stuff. And my pacing, my time management is horrible, Brad. <laughs> it's horrible right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know many artists who's. Uh, Pacing and time management is not pretty damn horrible. Okay? Mine is terrible. So I think you're in good company. So I, I just remember, I think it was like, I, I had been out like two two or three weeks. And um, my partner walked through the house. And she stopped in the living room. She looked at me and I was sitting down on the couch. She's like, I don't know if you realize this, but that's the first time I've seen you sit down on your own unprompted since you got home yeah and uh i hadn't really thought about it you know until then of just how there's a, i have this weird desperation about time yeah and part of it i think is you know the old you're trying to make up for lost time right but i'm, I'm very acutely aware that that's an impossibility can't make up for lost time i can't make up for the lost time with my children i can't there's just mm -hmm. no such thing we just mm -hmm. figure it out what it is from here you know right. that's the realistic way to look at right. that i believe um but i think the other part of it is and it took me a while to kind of you know come to this conclusion and uh and that was just that i think there's part of me too that's scared it won't last mm. like something could happen like it's like you're gonna wake up yeah or... exactly yeah, this is not real. How much can I get done before I do wake up or right. something or, or, right. or something happens? Yeah. You know? Why why start it now? Because this is not my reality at the moment and I'm gonna be back into my reality and all of this is gonna be gone. This and I, I don't I don't believe there's any validity to these kinds of thoughts, but it doesn't mean it's not happening subconsciously, you know. Do 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 you have do, do you believe in um a real popular movement and it's been around for decades but there's a real popular movement right now of, of people believing that they you know you think it and you manifest it into reality that you 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 believe it if you believe it here and you believe it enough and you put it out in the universe that this is what i want this is what i'm going to do that you begin to kind of manifest things to to become reality. I could go along with that. Yeah. I can't. I'm very universe based. Mm -hmm. I love the universe. I love I love that word. Uh I also love words like karma and, and mm -hmm. uh, nature and 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 stuff like that. Um you know uh Well you've definitely put out a lot of karma. Or a good lot of vibes good, or good whatever vibes. you want to Yeah, you definitely them, you know? put a, put that out through your work and and through through your efforts um 
It's got to be, though. It's got to... I, I mean, when you got out, what, what was, like, the first shocker? What was, like, the first thing you were like, what? Like... How expensive I'm, everything was. Yeah. <laughs> right. I and, and, and I've said this, like, ten times to different people, so I feel a little ridiculous repeating it again. But, <laughs> you know, I went, for, I went for a walk with my daughter, and we walked up and down Cherry Street. And when you get up to Lewis, 15th and Lewis, there's a CVS. Yes. And I'm like... Honey, I need to go in here real quick. I need I need a roll of packing tape, you know. And packing she, tape of all things. And and I need a Sharpie. Yeah. And she's like, all right, whatever. So we walk in, and I go back to the little school supply aisle or whatever that is that they have there, and a one-pack, one-pack of a standard fine-tip Sharpie was $3.50. And I just stared at it. I'm like, how is that possible? Yeah. I expected a buck. Right. Dollar, flat. Sure. You know, maybe maybe a buck seven with tax. You know, no, three fifty. I couldn't believe it, and I got upset. I'm like, how is this possible? Yeah. How is how is this sharpie three dollars and fifty cents? And then I made the mistake of going, okay, whatever. Let me get the tape, and it's ten. <laughs> Who is responsible for I this? I don't know what. I want to know their name right now. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I, I missed inflation. <laughs> I missed that. So, um, you know, a lot of people have different struggles. You know, I, I had I had immediate struggles with crowds. Mm. Um, supermarket. You know, some people get affected by like, oh my gosh, there was all these choices of cereal and I kind of couldn't yeah. handle it and all right. that. It wasn't just Cheerios. That part wasn't me. The part that was me was I couldn't... The, the, the hustle and bustle of that. Mm. I had dealt with so much chaos, but for some reason, yeah, it got to me there. Right, right. When I feel like I'm just trying to figure out what I want, and and I can tell you really want me to move, you know, and people are just pushing by you. I don't know what it was, but I just I had trouble with that. Could uh, you could you see yourself advocating for you know something like a transitional program? So for... there are there are reentry programs, um, but they're mostly focused on things like you know job placement, job training, housing, food, education, you know, education. Yeah. Let's help you figure out how to build a resume. You know, right. they, they do a lot of great work. Don't get me wrong. There are some awesome reentry organizations in the state of Oklahoma in both yeah. Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Um, and I've been visiting those organizations because I want to learn a lot about them. Because sure. I'm huge about prison reform. And I'm very huge about uh, um, and reentry services and stuff like that. But now I've learned that there's a missing area that I really want to try to focus on. And, and, I, and it's just pre-entry. Mm. Because when I went to prison, you go from county jail and you just get shoved in prison. And you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. All I knew about prison was TV. Yeah. Oz. I watched Oz. Oh, and that's all I knew about prison. Yeah. So, and, and I immediately was identifying with people. I'm like, oh, there's Schillinger. Oh, there's that guy. So the oh, anxiety you know, level through the roof. Sure. Yeah. Naturally. And, so you don't know anything, and, and, and they don't care. You know, I mean, they don't have to care. They're not paid to care. Um, so I would love to see, I want to try to team with one of these reentry programs to try to develop a pre-entry program, which would, you know, try to get guys or women both, uh, people who are about to, they're, they're definitely going in. They've either been sentenced or they're just, whatever they've done, they're getting time. And start spending a little time with them and say, hey, this is what's about to happen. This is where you need to get your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to have to, you know, teach them even simple things about just basic respect. Because a lot of people, 
may have a very different view of what respect is than mm. what's expected of them in there. Yeah. And just etiquette, because the etiquette is very different. Uh, terminology, all kinds of things. Yeah. But, but the other even, you know, just as big an aspect of that is that I want to be able to work with the families. My folks didn't know what they were in for either. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what the struggles that were about to come to them were. You know, because yeah. there's a whole thing that they don't, there's a whole world now that they're about to navigate that they know nothing about nothing. either. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's interesting because I've never heard anyone mention that part. Yeah. You know, what is, you know, a first timer going in? What's, what's that like? What do you expect? And I don't even know how you would set that up. It would I be mean, tough with the person going in. You'd have to work with the counties. Um, yeah. Or with DOC right when the person gets there and basically like with an orientation right. that right. they have to go through or something like that. I think that would be good. With the families, it'd be much easier because they're not yeah, incarcerated. Yeah, you can get them anywhere. Yeah. And, you, you know, and you can get other families to, to be those mentoring, yes. you know, kind of a relationship with, right. with them. Um, and that's the one thing we've really learned through the poster project and through selling my art, stuff like that, is that, you know, those conversations, those stories – they really help. People are looking for somebody to talk to about these things. And in the state of Oklahoma, especially, you are hard-pressed to find someone who is not affected by the carceral system here mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form, whether they've been to prison, their dad, their brother, their sister, their kid, or whether they've been a victim of a crime themselves and they know it from the other side. Right. Yep. I mean... Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why uh, the, the, the Tulsa police detectives are on a 48-hour uh, TV show because they have like a 97% solve rate. I mean, they get to end the show, you know. Yeah. It's not a TV show that runs forever. It's an hour. And then within that first 48 hours, they typically solve the, solve the crime, which is incredible. But, yeah, I mean, I could see how families would, would definitely get something from that. You know, and that's a good, that's a good thought. I mean, I, like I said, I've never heard anybody mention yeah. that before. Because there's a lot of aspects they're not ready for either. They're not ready to know that their child or, or loved one is, you know, that he's going to need certain, he or she is going to, I keep doing that, that he or she is going to need certain things um, or or go through these kinds of cycles mentally mm. or that, you know, understand that it's going to suck because your loved one is no longer going to get health care. Mm -hmm. That's really or dental or anything that's mm -hmm. imaginable anymore and if they're going if that person is going in with like an active substance abuse or alcohol problem that's a whole nother thing that the family's got to learn how to navigate yep. you know as well because yep. yep. they can get drugged through that cycle sure. with them yeah yep. um and i know i know brad you brought me in here to talk about art and stuff this stuff's really passionate for me though too so um, no i know. and and that's so we, we, this show and and we have fans not just here in Oklahoma, but we have fans all over the country, all over the world. Really, we're, we're we for some reason I don't know why, but there's a big fan base in Australia, Japan. I mean, there's there's some people that are that are tuning in, and a lot of what we do is more of the kind of I don't know sideshow kind of stuff. You know, it's aliens and ghosts and ghost stories and oh yeah you know, true crime stuff and just, you know, different, different things like that. But what we try to do is we try to give all of our listeners something new, something fresh, something interesting, something that they can tune into or follow or go check out, 
and we're going to give everybody all your social stuff uh, so they can go check it out. But, you know, we, 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 we try to do that. I mean, we try to have like a eclectic kind of show and um, it's been it's been fun to do. And, and I knew after uh, talking to your parents and seeing the book and I, you know, I just knew that I needed to have you on at some point. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, you've had shows not just in Oklahoma. I mean, you've had shows in Maryland and New York and I mean, yeah. what's it been like to go to uh, a museum or go to a place that's that's having a show when you see your, your work being displayed? You know, uh, I've walked into a couple places here in Tulsa now and walked in and seen my work on the wall. And it's, it's very, it's, it's, you know. Does it make you nervous? It, it doesn't really so much make me nervous. It's just a little surreal, you know. Part of it's, you know, at one place I'm like, I'd seen a picture of these before, you know, of, of the pieces being up on this particular mantle. I was like, wow, I, you know. Uh, that's that's weird seeing yeah. those up there and i remember walking into another place and seeing something and and my response first response was i don't even remember painting that wow. um wow. <laughs> you know because i do a lot of work i was like i completely forgot i mean it, i didn't it's not like i didn't recognize it was mine i did immediately i just had like i completely forgot about that piece yeah and uh, i'm sure that that's going to continue to happen as much work as i've sold over the years um because I've always tried to keep my work affordable. I love the concept of affordable art. I want the guy who's, uh, I want the person who's, you know, making a ton of money to be able to buy it. And I want the guy or person who's working at the gas station to be able to buy it too. Yep. Um, so I'm constantly being told by some, you know, people, you know, I'm underselling myself and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, but I just want to, I, you know, I want to be able to afford stuff, you know, Sure. so I'm keeping it affordable. Sharpies and packing tape. Yeah. I mean. yeah, yeah. There's Sharpies and packing tape, but you know, um, so it's weird. So, you know, I've, I've, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I'm part of the marking time, uh, traveling tour right now and have been for a few years now. And that's a, you know, allowed me to, you know, show at the MoMA PS1 in New York city. Um, that exhibit is now reopening at the Schomburg in New York. It just left Brown university. Um, and it's really weird too, is that you know they're like flying me up to New York to be there for the opening where yeah. one of my pieces is at the Schaumburg, and it's just wow. that's going to be weird because I've never been been able to be something like that. Yeah, you know, uh, and it feels weird being said, you know, okay, we'll pay for you to come up here and stay a couple of nights, and you're playing, and and I'm like, okay, do I need to do anything when I'm there? And they're like, no, you just you're just there. Like, yeah. Okay. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just be there. <laughs> and. Uh, so you, you know, put some art on skateboards, right? Have you done that? I, I yes. So there was a skateboard company called New Wave Skate, and I'm not sure if they're still functioning. I, I hope they are because I don't want to be done. But they're in Canada, and we just got contacted through Facebook or Instagram or something. My folks did. The guy said we were just looking for a designer. Stumbled across your work. Perfect. The piece that you see on this cover, this is also on a skateboard right same one that's probably the most recognizable piece of mine it's not from the book it just seems to be the one people just love yeah um it, it's been used for several different things um my throwaway people seem to be the the quick thing that people are like wow that's that's yeah. that's wild right uh one of my other uh the mud honey poster in here uh, probably i shouldn't spend our time flipping no this, go ahead but there is i haven't marked right some. there yeah. wow so this mud honey poster right yes. here, this are the actual piece of art without all the other stuff on it, because this is a painting of mine, um, 
was in like the Washington Post magazine for one of their issues. Yeah, you know, Washington you know. Post. Um, and that's pretty. That's cool, you know. And and I've been very fortunate in that uh, being able to work with an organization called the Justice Arts Coalition. And I highly recommend uh, anyone listening who's actually you know digging this stuff to check that out. I think it's thejusticeartscoalition.org. Um, they're a national organization that represents formerly and currently incarcerated artists across the country. They work with over 600 artists right now. They do amazing work with these people, and they don't want a penny from them. Wow. Uh, they just help them get in shows. They help them promote their stuff. They help them if somebody calls their organization and says, hey, we need something for our ad campaign for something like that. We want to use an incarcerated artist. You know, they lay out what they have. Yeah. If if they want to pay for that, 100% goes the artist. Wow. If they sell a piece of work, 100%. They don't want That's anything. Cool. It's their their amazing group. What's the website people. again? The Justice Arts Coalition.org. Justice Arts Coalition. And, check uh, that out. Yeah amazing stuff there's a lot and, of uh, and they're they actually are the ones who fostered the relationship between me and brick of gold to mm. even have this book published wow um they're the ones who put me in touch with the marking time and got me in the moma and now you know yeah. all these other places like that they're the right. ones who got me in the washington post they're they're an amazing organization well, i mean you're definitely uh i mean what i would call a success story i mean you know, doing this while incarcerated and then coming out and you're going to continue your work. And I mean, if I'm, if I'm CEO of that organization, I'm like, Hey, you know, Will Livingston, we got to make sure we, we support this guy. And, yeah. You know. And, uh, and I still, I still will do anything I can for them. Uh, I, I have been a, one of their, uh, uh, clients or, or I'm not sure what word they use. I'll probably get that wrong. I'll hear about that later, but, um, but I've been I've been working with them for like five or six years, you know, uh, since their inception. Um, there's a lot of and talented, just watched it grow. There's a lot of talent. That's ridiculous. And yeah. just because you're just someone's incarcerated, it, it, it doesn't change whether they're a talented person or not. I've seen some of the most ingenious uh, and, and inventive things yeah. uh, in those places. I've seen a chopper made out of styrofoam, like a full-on chopper painted and everything. I've and seen it, a completely functional guitar made out of popsicle sticks. Right. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Styrofoam. Because you because you have to get creative. You have limited resources, and you know limited resources and unlimited time. Yeah, and so you get to run with it. It's crazy, man. Um, I'm trying to think of you know there were so many things I wanted to touch, but I think we've already been. I think we're pushing an hour already. Believe okay. it or not. Um, but there's no real time limit, so I don't know what your what your time schedule looks like. But um, what's coming up next for you i know you're going to continue the poster project i know you've got a trip to new york coming up um how is how is the rest of 2023 gonna play out for you um so i'm just trying to find out how how i can operate you know i can't screen print out of my house so i've rented a space um and uh, i'm sharing the space with some other guys who do screen printing they do their own completely different thing. They do mostly like apparel. Uh, I do paperwork. You know, I do art, I do mm -hmm. posters, I do that stuff. And uh, so it's it's this thing where we can like kind of like split split the building, share our resources and equipment, and split the cost. Yeah. And that's scary for me. Sure. I've given everything away for free up <laughs> to this point. Right. 
I don't make money on it. Now and now bills. and now I have bills. Yes. And and they're not little bills. And so it's like okay, I'm going to just throw like everything I got and my whole savings at this and I'm like okay, I think I can get through 2023 and then hopefully 2024 you know, people want to pay me to do this work. Right. Um otherwise I don't know what happens. Um so you know, ideally, but in that amount of time, I can find what's called a fiscal sponsor mm-hmm. through another nonprofit, um, uh, preferably through another arts organization. But if not, maybe something like the Tulsa Community Foundation, something like that, yeah. would take me in under their their you know little umbrella, and that way I can solicit for individual and corporate and grants and different donations and sure. stuff like that and, yeah. and it all be on the up and up and legitimate uh, if that could happen then that would support the project but you know right now it's it's just trying to figure that out spending time with my folks my children my fiance um it's uh it's learning how to live again it's learning how to breathe again Mm -hmm. um you know and that's something we haven't touched on you've heard me say partner a lot of times in this and uh uh, wendy um my fiance you know uh, we met while i was inside so i'm also navigating a full-blown relationship starting day one right it went from we've known each other for you know, kind of pen pals for a while and then basically on the phone for a year. And then the moment we see each other really in person, we live together. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of very strange way to start a relationship, (laughs) but in the same way, it's a really cool way because I really got to know her Yeah. before all the other stuff gets in the way, you know? You know, instead yeah. of doing it the other way where you do all the other stuff, then you're like, oh, I hope I like you later. It, it you was, know, it was the longest um, courtship ever. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was a long one. And uh, so I'm trying to navigate that, you know, and she is, too, because there's a lot of challenges to dealing with me. <laughs> you know, and she's uprooted her life. You know, she just moved here from D.C. Uh, she's never lived in this part of the country, nor even really visited it. So that's why I said she can relate to your, slower to pace your stuff, yeah. you know, moving right. from California to here and be yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. So she's having that moment, you know. Um, well, it yeah. sounds like you've got a full plate and you, maybe you don't even know it, but. but oh, I do. You yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, I do. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to juggle it now and, and try to see if I can make it look like. Like you're an old hat at this. Well, just, yeah, (laughs) just, just trying to not only make a living at whatever I can figure out, but just, yeah, uh, find a routine, find a way to be comfortable in my skin in this new situation, I guess, you know, great way to put it. Yep. So, well, we're, we're thankful that you carved out some time for us. Oh man, it was fun. It's going to be uh, something that will continue uh, to support however you need it in whatever way you need it. Um, I've told uh, everybody that's ever come in here for a show, I'm like, grab that book off the corner. You need to check that out. Um, and I hope our, our, our fans continue to do that. I'm going to look on here on my phone. And I'm going to give everybody your... Uh, Cool. Your Instagram, because that's what we do now. You know, we live through our phones. 
I'm, I'm um, starting to learn some of that. I'm not great at it, but. Well, you know, you'll get there. Trust me. It won't take long. I'm getting the hang of it. And, 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 and then when you do, you'll be like, man, I hate this damn phone. Oh, well, so at first I hated Google Calendar. <laughs> I'm like, I write things down. Yeah. I don't Now you this. live by it. Now Google yeah. Calendar is the greatest thing ever because people can like not only send me an, an appointment like, hey, we want to meet with you at this time and place. I'm like, okay, that'd be great. They can send me that and I can accept it. And not only do I remember then that I had scheduled that, but it also tells me like where to go, how to get there, yep. which is fantastic. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, the uh, navigation tools are pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so when you get a chance, everybody go to William B. Livingston Art. William B. Livingston Art. Um it'll pop up. It's the first and only one that comes up for you. Um, follow uh, this man and what he's doing in the art community and what he's doing for prison reform and all kinds of different things. Um, and and a lot of the photos on your page, I think, it's almost like tributes to fans. I mean, a lot of it is. They're holding up what they've got from you. Um, and we didn't even touch on the beadwork stuff. No, and that's yeah. Um, that was but, COVID. Yeah, I start. Um, I didn't even start that till COVID. Really? Yeah. I it was just dumb luck. I was like, I'm gonna see what beating's like, and then like a month later, COVID hits, and I'm stuck in a cell for like almost two years, and I'm so happy that I have something to do. You know what? And I'm gonna bring this up too, because at so I'm I'm probably what you would call maybe above average artist. Okay. Right? draw a few things i can make some stuff look pretty decent right maybe so i'm not bad but maybe i'm just slightly above average when i look at stuff like this it it kind of it kind of pisses me off i'm gonna be honest <laughs> i'm like damn it why can't i do stuff like this i mean this stuff is amazing and and when you get on the instagram page roll through the through the photos uh check it out there's also uh, a, an address on here. What's this address for? Is this for orders? Is this for? There's a PO box on here. So if I wanted to write you a letter, I, I could, guess so. I can drop you a note. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I could say, hey, uh, hey, Will, I, I suck at art. Uh, you're fantastic. Can we? Uh, um, can I, I, I didn't even really probably know that was visible, but I'm glad it's a PO <laughs> so look, box and look, not my home address. Look. All right. <laughs> That's not even my P.O. box. Okay, I need to change that. Yeah, I'm so, change that one so everybody hold off on the P.O. box for now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but regardless, go give a follow. Um, and then, you know, you could always, I mean, I, I messaged you on here. You, you, yeah. you were quick to respond. Sure. Um, there's also a website. Yeah, there's a website here. Uh, I'm going to click the, let me see if I can click on it here. Yeah, so yeah, you're, yeah, this is the whole thing right here. Um, so on the Instagram page, it's on uh, linktr.ee forward slash WB Livingston Art. You'll see the link on there. It's it's right under the bad address, <laughs> right under the right under the fake PO box. Yes. Um, and uh, click on that. Go go check it out. And one of the great things you guys also do, and I don't know if you've got anything to do with this or not, but you do a pretty good job of uh, marketing where you're going to be. So if, you know, you were at the Church Studio Carney Fest. Yeah. Um, church Studio, did you get to go through it? I did not. You, you got I, I, I stood at a booth. You're a, a, a musician. I and stood you, at a booth for 14 hours. 
and held a tent that was about to blow away in a windstorm. I would have held your tent just so you could go tour church studios. But I met like Good a couple Lord. people who worked there. So I got that a doesn't feeling. count. No, know, that's bullshit. You have to go through the... Okay, look, we're going to yeah. make this happen. All right. Um, and we got to get your outsider's work in the museum, um, Mr. Uh, Danny Boyle Connor. Uh, we got to get that in there. So, look, we'll do this again sometime. I mean, I'd love to catch up with you, um, see what you're up to, see what's going on. We're going to get one of your pieces in here for the wall. Fantastic. Um, and we'll continue to push the book live from the cell block. Uh, what I love about the book, just so the fans know, is that in the back, um, we get like a little little paragraph on some of the artwork that's in there and, and what or why, the reasons behind it, what you were thinking. Or a little anecdote from yeah. the person who passed it out about right. something that happened with them you know, yeah, while they it's, were there. It's, it's just a... And, and look, I, I love the book because... It's a it's pictures and I could you know I can go through that faster I don't have to read the whole damn this is the first book I finished in two years, um, but yeah it's got some great great paragraphs in the back about the about the artwork, um, I I enjoyed going through it um, and it's it's got a wonderful intro as well you've got some people that um, decided to throw a little note your way and yeah th those were those were great. So you can't you can't go wrong if you're in Tulsa and you're trying to fry, uh, find one Boulevard Trash on Harvard that store great store um, lots of vinyl lots of T-shirts all kinds of stuff they've got the book in there and um, and my shop's actually like a block and a half from there. Your block have you ever been in there? I have. Yeah. Cool shop. Yeah. Um, it's like an old house. Yeah. It's like somebody like somebody used to live there and now it's just a like a record store. Kind it's of kind of like what Starship used to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to the new starship yeah isn't it, isn't it why why switch i don't it was know iconic. they got they got ran out they got ran out they got ran out by like campus partners or something bought it all up and renovated or something you know progress progress and inflation yeah. it's overrated <laughs> all right look we're going to get out of here again thanks to will livingston for uh coming in live from the cell block is the book um we'll catch you guys up and we'll share his information as well on the post and uh man great show good job thanks brad appreciate it all right guys we'll catch you next time